When he began to go to Cheda, the Rebbe Tzemachzedek left. The Rebbe Tzemachzedek was still uh, alive then. And at that time when he, when he was brought into the Cheder, he threw candies uh, to him or at him on the Baigizok. Then he said, as Malch Machol Hatim Doskivarfin, that it was Machal, the angel Machol that threw the candies to him. Isdos Baem Niskavul Givar. So this was something that the the Rebbe Rashab, the child, the three-year-old child, it he took to it. When the Hat Nishgivolt Oif Essen Ditzukikas, and he did not want to eat those candies, Valzazane Baem Given Zayat Tayer, because they were very dear to him. Malach Machol threw them to him. Erev Pesach is given the minig b'edigzayin the kashenus from the kleni kinder. On Erev Pesach, it was the custom that they would check the pockets of the young children to see if they put any chametz in there. Had the chametz tzemachzedek rufen them taten, so the tzemachzedek called his grandson the Rebbe Rashab and had him gefrekt and he asked him, "Vuah had the tzukikas?" He knew that he had saved them, so he said, "Where do you, where are the candies?" And then he told him that he has to eat them before Pesach. From this story, like any other story of the Rabbeim, and this is not just any ordinary story that the Rabbeim told over, but it's a story that happened actually to one of the Rabbeim. So we can take a number of lessons from this, from this story. And not only in the matter of Chinuch, that you see over here how the Tzemach Tzedek treated his grandson in his education. And as the Friediger Rebbe says, concludes actually, and this is the kind of Chinuch that we need. So it's not only about Chinuch, what is Mudgish Vaparash Pesach, and the union of Chinuch is also emphasized in our parsha, parsha boy, in regards to Pesach. It says, "Vigadatalabincha, you shall relate to your son, vayikisholchabincha, and if your son will ask you." Which are all things about how to educate children. But so it's not only about Chinuch, nor oich kame nyonei hilchus halachas in Isser chametz, but it also teaches a number of halachas in regards to the prohibition of chametz. Kiyotzvay similar things to that. Which also is a subject matter in our parsha because it talks about the laws of chametz and matzah and so on. Base. So, what is it that we can learn? For, we have to be understand. Since these candies were to the Rebbe Rashab, the young child, given as a tire, they were so dear to him, as Radzei Nishgevolta Eifesen, that he didn't want to eat them. Was Zizani Doch Taki given at Abayakar, and in fact he was correct, they were very special. Vibal Zizani Gigabin Givon von Tzemach Tzedek, since they were given to him by the Tzemach Tzedek. Favos had the Tzemach Tzedek Givolt Bedafkes, and then the question is, why did the Tzemach Tzedek insist, as was all the Ufes and Far Pesach, that he has to eat them before Pesach? 
and the Hatam Nishke lost the Ophitten Evaiter and did not allow him to save them for after Pesach by selling them as it was is customary to sell them to a Goy for the duration of Pesach and then to buy it back and he could have done the same thing with these candies too and in fact and especially in light of the fact that we find such conduct by some of the greats uh, the great tzadikim in regards to what in there in the uh, other chassidim have the custom that the Rebbe leaves over food and the chassidim grab the food and they, they eat it so there was some that the, in this holy leftovers from the Rebbe that they received from a tzaddik. As Oibes is given as Ach, was Hod Gehat Chomets, that if it was something that had Chomets in it, they sold it with the Chomets rather than eating it, finishing it off, because so they wanted to keep it. It was very uh, important, special to them. So we find that people did do that. And since the Tzemach did not allow him to do that, so perhaps we could extrapolate from this as in them fall that he was of the opinion that Tzamech Tzedek was of the opinion that in this case number one is does Asur this would be prohibited since even if he sold it to a guy it was clear that he wanted it back after Pesach in fact, he wanted that this chametz should stay during Pesach for after Pesach. So therefore, if he wants it to remain on Pesach, so the person selling the chametz wants it to remain. Or number two, <coughs> it doesn't help to sell it to a goy, but mechiras chametz is mutter, since Mechiras Chametz is permitted, Chachdos is Ka'arama, even though it, even though it comes across as a pretense, it doesn't seem like you're really selling it to the guy, because you're, of course, want it, you want it back after Pesach. So the whole thing seems like a pretense. And one wants the Chametz back after Pesach. And yet, it's permitted to sell it to somebody, to a guy that you are familiar with, you're friendly with him, and so on. Even though he knows that the guy will not touch his chametz during the duration of Pesach, he'll save it for me until after Pesach, and then he'll return it to him. So why is that permitted, even though it seems like it's uh, the whole thing is a pretense? Valdas is because the problem with going through such a sale, which midayraisa is a legal sale, because if you go through the steps and you make it into a legal sale, even though it seems like it's a pretense, but in fact, it's it is a a real sale. Legally, it's a real sale, and it's only prohibited. It, it's only a problem. The rabbanon consider it to be. Um, inappropriate because it comes across as a pretense. So therefore, they're mekel. But in our case, the selling of the chametz is an obvious haroma, an obvious pretense.
because it's known that he saved up the candies and he didn't want to sell it and so on. So therefore, in such a case, our sages would not have allowed it to be sold in such a way. Another way of understanding this is that what does he mean that it's the Rabbanon that the idea of selling chametz is so that it shouldn't stay because you're not allowed to eat chametz that remains after Pesach. Chametz over over Pesach is Osir, but that's only Osir with the Rabbanon. So therefore the selling prevents you from violating that the Rabbanon, that you're not allowed to eat it after Pesach. So therefore they're more lenient and they allowed a sale of chametz which comes across as being a pretense. But if it's an obvious pretense and it's clear that it's a pretense, so then they wouldn't uh, they wouldn't allow it, and therefore the Tzemach Tzedek did not want him to sell it in such a way in this case because in this case it was too obvious that he really didn't want to sell it to the guy, and that the sale was only a pretense, and therefore he said that's not a proper sale. But we can't say that this is the reason, but because, number one, the Alter Rebbe, the Mont Nishan Shulchan Aruch, the Misr Reitzabikiyume, because the Alter Rebbe doesn't bring up at all in Shulchan Aruch in regards to the sale of Chometz, that if somebody wants the, the, the Chometz to remain, that that is a problem. The Alter Rebbe doesn't, doesn't bring this by Chometz of Pesach. So therefore, since the Alter Rebbe doesn't see this as an issue, so why would the Tzemach Tzedek make an issue of it that just because that the, the, his grandson wanted the candy to remain, this would be an ineffective sale. al doesn't say that, so why would the Tzemach Tzedek say that? Another thing, Ledas Reva Poskim, according to most of the Poskim, of the Halachic uh, deciders, Befrat Ledas Admura Zakan, especially according to the al is Mechiris Chametz HaMechiris Gemura the selling of chametz is considered to be a, 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 a proper sale, a perfectly legal sale, in a way that it prevents you, because you sold it, you no longer have a problem of violating that one is not permitted to own chametz on Pesach, even own. So therefore, since you don't own it because you sold it to a guy, it's a perfectly legal uh, sale, and it doesn't belong to you, and you wouldn't violate by your by your matzah. Even in a even in a case of by your by your matzah, they raise chametz, they raise even something that is considered to be outright chametz. The Alter Rebbe holds that you can sell even that. And this is and also by in a case where by becomes a an, an outright problem because why is it a problem? Generally, we say. That since a person is mavatl the chametz, first since a person is um, is declaring the chametz to be nothing and like dust of the earth, and he doesn't want it anymore, and he removes his ownership from it, and so on. So that bittel itself is enough to remove it from his ownership, and therefore midayraisa you would already be saved from the problem of balyerabalyamatzet. The Chachamim require you to, that's, that it's not enough to be mevatel, you have to also get rid of it. Either be mevair, either to burn it, or to dispose of it some other way, for instance, through selling it. But over here, when you sell chametz, 
you're not going through the bittel. You're not doing the bittel. Because the chametz that you're selling is nishbachal bittel vehefka. You're not including in that declaration that you're considering to be null and void because it's not yours to consider that way. You've sold it to somebody else. So therefore, if the sale wouldn't be real and proper and legal, then you would still be owning it because you didn't declare it to be hefka. So you would be violating by your abayamotzer. Yet the Alter Rebbe considers it to be a perfectly legal sale, even though it involves an issue of a prohibition of the Yerayso by Yerabayimotze, and he considers it to be a legal sale. So why would the Tzemach Tzedek have a problem with his grandson selling those candies in the, with the Chomet, since the Alter Rebbe considers it to be a perfectly vi- valid sale? Gimel, Lechayir, it would seem that in the in the case that we're talking about in that story, there's another uh, another idea in which he could have con- uh, kept the chametz and without uh, have, of course compromising the laws of Pesach. And he wouldn't have to sell it to a guy. The, the way that he could have done it is mafkes and chametz. He could have simply declared the chametz to be ownerless. He removes his ownership from it. Of course, this has to be done before the prohibition of chametz begins, because once it begins, you don't have the right to declare it to be hefker. So therefore, you have to do it before the time of the iser of the prohibition of chametz occurs. But if you declare it to be hefker, then it's no longer yours. And even though to declare chametz to be hefker is only saves you from the Torah prohibition of not to violate the prohibition of owning chametz on Pesach because you don't own it, you declare it to be hefker. As we learn from the passage, it shall not be seen to you, meaning in your ownership, from which we learn that you're not allowed to see yours. If it's yours, then then it its presence uh, presents a problem. The prohibition of but you are allowed to the presence of someone else's chametz or hefker chametz doesn't is not a problem to you. So therefore, it's it is a good um, it is a good way in which to prevent your violation of came along and they made that it's not enough to is that it's not enough to declare something to be hefker or and you have to actually rid yourself of the chametz physically. You have to get it out of your possession also physically, not just um, legally to remove it from your, yourself, your ownership from it. So you have to either burn it or sell it or do it something else. Because to that also there is a solution the Rebbe wants that is suggesting that he could have simply declared it to be Hefker. But the Chachamim don't allow that and they say that you have to actually rid yourself of the Chametz physically. So there's a solution to that too. Because he could have declared the chametz to be hefker, not only in his mind and his heart, but he still keeps it in his 
<coughs> in his drawer or wherever he kept it. Nor mafkezayin dem chametz, solid as arusnem and nor ba mafkezayin the chametz, but when he declares the chametz to be hefker, solid as arusnem of zayin rishos, he could remove it from his uh, where you know his drawer or wherever he kept it. Navek lemerushos arabim, but makim hefker mamish and place it into a public domain and a place which is truly where it's truly ownerless because nobody there keeps anything there that belongs to them so if it's found there it would be anyone's to take in an art but he could have placed it in such a place doesn't have to put it on the on the on fifth avenue he could put it in a place those was gayish convention where there are no people found to be found there like somewhere in the forest under a tree and nobody's going to find it there and therefore he would come back and be able to collect it after Pesach and if he did that then he would also be fulfilling the rabbinic need principle of having gotten rid of the chametz in addition to having declared it to be which saves us from the Torah problem why would that have also saved them from the rabbinic issue because if you do that you will have covered both reasons there are two reasons given why the Chachamim declared that you can't simply declare it to be Hefker but you have to actually remove it and you have to destroy it what are those two reasons? One reason is bitul vehefker is because declaring it ownerless or considering it to be null and void and useless to me and needless and, and worthless to me that's something which is in your mind. So they were worried that he wouldn't really consider it to be null and void. You know, because if you have a $300 bottle of whiskey and you declare it null and void, but it's not so null and void to you, a $300. So they were worried, you, you don't really mean it, seriously. And therefore they said, you have to really get rid of it. You can't leave it in your, in your bar and say it's null and void and leave it at the Pesach. They said, that, uh, we don't really trust that you mean that it's null and void and that you really do want it. And therefore you have to actually get rid of it. You rid yourself of it. You can drink it before Pesach. You could sell it before Pesach or, or pour it out before Pesach, but you can't keep it on Pesach. So this wouldn't be a problem because if you actually remove it from your house and you put it out somewhere in the middle of the forest for Pesach, so then it's not anymore, it, you really did get rid of it. It's not just something you're saying, it's something you actually did. And the second reason that is given why you have to remove it, and you can't just rely on Hefker and Bittel, is mitzad dem tam vayel ha'adam ragu b'chol hashanah Since a person is very accustomed to eating chametz all year, umachmas regi lusay, and because you're so accustomed to doing it, karavu l'shikha, it's very easy to forget that you're not allowed to reach for a cookie on Pesach. And if the cookies are there in the, in the cabinet, so you forget for a moment that it was Pesach, and you reach for it and you eat it, even though you declared it to be ownerless, but you might end up eating it just simply by forgetting because you might forget that it's actually prohibited today. And if it's in your, in your environment, that's there in your kitchen, 
you may end up eating from it. So again, that isn't a problem because you've placed it out into the middle of nowhere. So therefore, both these reasons that the Chachamim gave for why Hefker doesn't help would have been uh, taken care of by placing it outside somewhere in the middle of the forest and then hopefully going to retrieve it after Pesach. So you could have done simple Hefker without having to actually burn it or destroy it or eat it or sell it. And we actually find clearly stated as that one is permitted to do this. It says which means to remove it from your uh, under your control and to declare it to be Hefker and to place it in a place which is truly open to all and then after Pesach to be able to go there and retrieve it and the Rebbe says it seems I think that it, uh, we find in a number of uh, stories from the lives of Chassidim which had the custom that they would receive the leftover food from their Rabbeim that they actually did this they didn't want to get rid of it they didn't want to eat it they wanted to keep it because of its, uh, it was so precious to them so for Pesach they would be mafkir, place it in a place where nobody could get uh, where, which was hefker truly hefker and truly Rabim, out of their control during Pesach and then they would go back and get it after Pesach so this is something that we find that people actually did so that could have been another option how they could have went about it the tam bepashas for the tzemach tzedek as zeinish gehesin tan. The reason, simply, most likely, why the tzemach tzedek did not want to do this. Hagam megifintas leikamadeis. Even though we find that in the, according to many opinions, megme mafkezayin farzman isurit. One is allowed to declare it to be hefke before the time of the uh, prohibition occurs. Or befrat b'makam hefke, especially if you're placing it in a place of hefke. Even though you you know that you want to go back and get it after Pesach, so there are such opinions of a Beshara Mashma, but from the other opinions in Halacha, it seems does help nish that it doesn't help. In other words, there are many other opinions that say that this is not that is not a good enough way to get rid of the chametz. And they say, uh, in fact, Alter Rebbe also gives it rules that way. He says, even if he placed it in a place which is accessible to everyone, he still has to declare it to be Hefker fully by declaring it so and, and in his heart to really mean it. And it shouldn't be in his mind when he is making it to go back and retrieve it after Pesach if somebody else doesn't come along and take it before him because if he really is thinking that way that he's going to go back and get it it's not considered a complete Hefker and it says if it is his meaning over the duration of Pesach it still remains his he didn't really declare it, he didn't really mean it to be Hefker, and therefore it isn't Hefker, and it still remains his. So the Alter Rebbe holds that doing this isn't good enough. 
And that's why the Tzemach Tzedek wouldn't stand for that kind of a hefker. Nachmer, and even more so, even chametz that is found in a place that is hefkesh, because the Jew threw it there before the sixth hour on erev pesach, meaning before the time of the prohibition of chametz, and he did it because he didn't want to violate owning chametz on pesach. <clears throat> which of course is permitted to do that a, a yid could throw the uh, throw his chametz into a hefker place still after Pesach it's still prohibited for any Jew to benefit from that chametz so even though the yid that threw it away and got rid of it for Pesach and placed it in a place of hefker after Pesach it's prohibited to eat it for another Jew so in other words the Alter Rebbe holds that this kind of hefker does not permit you to eat it after Pesach. So the Alter Rebbe does not consider it to be a total hefker. So perhaps this is the reason that the Tzemach did not want him to, the, to put it in a place where it's hefker and then he would go, go back and get it after Pesach. But it's very difficult to say that this is the reason why the Tzemach Tzedek did not want it in that particular story. First of all, we're talking about candies. Which, first of all, it's not very clear that it actually is chametz stick. A candy doesn't really contain generally doesn't contain real chametz and even if there is some chametz content in that candy is the snor taruvas chametz it's not pure chametz 100% chametz it is a little bit of chametz that got mixed into a mixture of all kinds of other things like sugar and whatever taffy whatever it was and when was this mixture made of course long before Pesach which and was verd dan bottle beroiva the besamach and chametz that get gets mixed into a big mixture of other of other ingredients before Pesach on Pesach even the slightest amount of chametz that gets mixed into any amount of other ingredients the whole thing is prohibited because it's not bottle even b'shebe elif it's not even bottle even one in a thousand but if it happens before Pesach then it is bottle either Barov, according to Midai Raisa, or Bishishim, one in sixty. So therefore, that candy wasn't pure. If it had any chametz at all, it certainly wasn't pure chametz. And it probably, most likely, the amount of chametz, the minuscule amount of chametz that might have been in it, would have been bottle. Therefore, it wouldn't rise to the problem of owning chametz, at least not medayraisa, because it's bottle. So, therefore, why it's not really an issue about having it and owning it on chametz, because it's not on Pesach, because it's not really chametz. It would have been bottle if there was chametz, any chametz at all. In other words, even though in even though if we were talking about pure chametz, a piece of bread, 
So yes, the Alter Rebbe wouldn't permit you to be mafkirit, and because then even after Pesach it's still prohibited to eat it. But we're not talking about a piece of bread. We're talking about a minuscule amount of chametz that is mixed into many other ingredients, and therefore isn't a problem even to keep it. The oid and another thing. <clears throat> when do we say that such a hefker doesn't help? The reason that is given for this, why we don't allow it, that one should declare it hefker and then go back and take it after Pesach, because we're afraid that the unscrupulous people would simply say that they were mafkirit and they placed it, put it in a place where anybody had, anyone had access to it, and then they went and retrieved it, even though they didn't do anything like that. And that would open, that sort of opens the doors for anyone to commit that kind of fraud, and we would not, you don't know what's, uh, what is kosher, what is chametz that went through Pesach legally or illegally. But in our case, we Since in this case, the his the grandson, the Rebbe Rashab, never intended to eat these candies ever. He was planning to keep it forever, so it wasn't a problem that he would have he would do some subterfuge in order to be able to eat it after Pesach. He wasn't planning to eat it after Pesach anyway. And he wasn't planning to have any kind of benefit from it. He had no plan to sell it. He had no plan to do anything with it. So he wouldn't have had any real benefit from it anyway. The only thing he wanted was to keep it, to have it. So therefore the, the issue of the Chachamim, why the Chachamim didn't allow that kind of getting rid of it in that way, was because we were afraid that they would just want to, they would just say that and they would continue using the chametz after Pesach even though they didn't get rid of it, which would be prohibited. But in this case, he wasn't planning to use it in any way. In addition to this, was is It's really only a rabbinic question to begin with. The question is whether this mixture of chametz and other ingredients even needs to be sold or, or uh, declared hefker or destroyed in any other way because it was bottle as we said especially that this is a case which is a very unusual uh, circumstance you know how many people have uh, candies from Malach Machol that they're keeping for after Pesach Bafratas is an inyan as in them fall um the rabbanim lechatchil and ishgazigin. So it's possible to say that the rabbanim even the rabbanim always only make zayrus in things which happen which occur regularly, and they were afraid that things would become get out of hand. And but you don't say that about something which is a very unusual circumstance. The chacham did not make zayrus for one of a kind uh, situations. And this would have been a one-of-a-kind situation. As So they wouldn't have made a gzera that this kind of hefka shouldn't be enough. So then perhaps he could have allowed that he should declare it to be hefka. 
Um, and you can't really ask the question about this whole discussion. Why is this whole discussion even relevant? Because as the by saying the question would be the whole concept of selling or declaring hefker doesn't really f- apply to this situation. Since we're talking about something that belongs to a child, to a minor, which can only acquire something, and even acquiring something, a child doesn't have the capacity to be able to transfer ownership, to be involved in a transfer ownership. So he, there is a possibility for a child to acquire something if someone else ha- that is of mind that is of a mature mind, in other words, an adult, had act, um, actively gives it to him, passes it to him, gives him ownership of it. So it's really the adult which is transferring ownership to the child. But the child himself doesn't have the capacity to be able to affect such a transfer. And even then, he can only acquire something of a niche, maknazim, but if a child does not have the capacity to be able to transfer ownership of something that he owns to somebody else or the or he doesn't have the ability to declare something to be ownerless because that is a transfer, transferring it away from his ownership to no one's ownership because in regards to so the whole thing so you might say that the whole discussion is really moot because he can't sell it or declare or, or can't do any of those things anyway so that's not an issue that doesn't negate the whole discussion. Why doesn't it? Because when a child who is reliant on his parents, in other words, he eats everything that he has, he gets his food from his parents, he gets his, his home from his, everything is provided by his father. Is the din as the of asagifin? So the halacha is that if a child finds something, or if he's given a gift by somebody, is a shalav, it belongs to the father. It's as if the father owns the child, and therefore anything that the child owns, the father owns. And therefore, you can't say that there is no issue of transfer that he has to sell it, because the father becomes the one that has to sell it. So it becomes the father's responsibility to sell it because he really owns it. So there is an issue to discuss of should they have, uh, could he have allowed him to sell it or to, uh, to transfer it to make it hefker. Maybe not the child, but at least the father would have to do that. And why couldn't the father have done that for him? Mahai time is moving and from... Uh, for, and for this reason, it's also understood as from the Sipiranal that from this uh, story, Kemenish Medayigzain, we really can't, uh, one could perhaps think that from the story, we could also derive another halacha in regards to Chomets to Chomets. As the Leiden Dasa Tzemach Tzedek, it would seem that according to the Tzemach Tzedek, from this story, it seems, is a Kotten Muzirin Balyarabayimotze. Obviously, the Tzemach Tzedek holds that a child is also responsible for not owning chametz on Pesach. It's the obligation of the adults in his life to make sure that he doesn't do it, because the Tzemach Tzedek took pains to make sure that he wouldn't own the candies on chametz on Pesach. 
Perhaps we could learn from here, from that story, that if a child owns chametz on Pesach, you're not allowed to benefit from it after Pesach, just like if an adult owned chametz on Pesach. So any of these, this whole story could lead us to this conclusion. But the, and the truth is that we cannot derive this kind of opinion from the Tzemach Tzedek, from this story. Why? Because in addition to the fact what we said already before, that we're certainly not talking about certain chametz, and if anything it was uh, minuscule amounts of chametz, which is not, does, isn't necessarily over on the In addition to that, Alpidin is the Shaykh because in the end it belongs to the father. And in the case of the Rebbe Rashab, he had a father. And the father is responsible for it, who is an adult. But in the case where, let's say, there was a child that didn't have a father, God forbid, and, uh, there's, and anything that he owns is not owned by his father, but owned by himself, maybe there would be an obligation for us uh, to, uh, you know, it doesn't, we don't know what the Tzemach Tzedek's opinion would be in that case. In other words, maybe there wouldn't be an issue with the child owning it on Pesach. Even though in this case the Tzemach Tzedek made sure that he shouldn't own it, but that was because it really belonged to the father. Of course he has to get rid of it. But in a case where a child owns his own candy, maybe over there, there's no such need to do it. So therefore, this story doesn't give any ruling either way. We can't derive a ruling from this story. And in fact, it's, uh, one has to really uh, think, you know, decide. Now, whether from this story can we in Whether from this story one can apply the events of this story to the lives of other people, and sort of that this should be a guide and a, a law about how other people have to behave. Why can't we? Since we were talking certainly about Chomets Rabbanan, as he explained, in fact, maybe it isn't even certain Chomets Rabbanan, maybe it's only doubtful whether it had any Chomets at all. It's also talking, another thing is it's talking about a very unusual circumstance, as we said before, in which case Xeris were not applied to that kind of circumstance. It's also talking about it's a home, the Rebbe's home, in which they were very, very careful, very meticulous, much more than regular people. And there's no, no, no one can say that just because it's a Machzedek did it in a certain way, that means that everybody has to do it that way. Not necessarily so at all. And therefore, from that story, you can't really apply that kind of Allah in regards to other people. Hey, so we'll understand what is the reason that the Tzemach Tzedek wanted him to get rid of it, to eat it. We'll understand it by first explaining that based on stories that we've heard from Chsidim as opposed from the Rebbe himself, from the Friediger Rebbe himself, is that the conduct of Chsidim of the Rabbeim, of the Lubavitch Rabbeim, was in a similar way to what the Tzemach Tzedek did there. When a chassid owned something, that, a food or drink, 
was man bekommen von Rebbe, they had received from the Rebbe. Um, das nicht gekannt halten für Pesach, but it was the kind of food that you couldn't keep for Pesach. For instance, mashke, if you have a bottle of vodka, which is chametz, and you can't keep it over Pesach. Hat man das nicht verkauft in chametz, they wouldn't sell it as a part of the chametz. Nor hat das aufgegessen, they finished the... Uh, whatever chametz it was that they received from the Rebbe, they would finish it off other oiz getrinken far Pesach they either ate it or drank it before Pesach they didn't sell it to a goy on the time the fun yeshleim of pashtas and the reason that this was so one can explain very simply says heipach kavod rabbi that it goes again it's very disrespectful to the Rebbe to take something that he had given you to take something that the Rebbe had left over like in the case of the uh, the other or especially something that the Rebbe gave you as a gift and to give it to a goy or to sell it to a goy that's extremely disrespectful even more in the Michael when someone sells this kind of food, this kind of uh, thing that he got from the Rebbe, and it goes, it gets transferred into the ownership of a non-Jew, is tzaruchi, and you have to understand, noch noch dem vender id kaift abdem kevdes abzerik. We have to know now the following: when the yid buys it back from the goy, see as bleibt dan in the meichel the friedik ktush of natzadik. Once you've sold it to the goy and now you're buying it back, does it still retain the holiness that the tzaddik invested into it? Because it's now being owned by a goy. When you buy it back and it comes back out of the ownership of the goy, does it re? Does it still have that holiness of what the tzaddik put into it? Vav, and one could say, as the emperor of the shaila hanal, that the uh, the answer to this question whether it still retains the holiness of the tzaddik or not, is totally in Pesach, would depend on how we define the prohibition of Chometz on Pesach. And the way the Raghav Shava puts it, there are two ways that one could look at it. See, the Isu Chometz is a toyar, whether the prohibition of Chometz, the problem of Chometz, is a is attached to the outer appearance or the outer function or the way it represents itself. In other words, there are th- when you have an object, there is the essence of that object and then there is the way it appear- the way it represents. So something could be, let's say, green or red, different colors, different shapes, does it matter? So, where is the prohibition of chametz? Is it attached to the outer dimension of that of that food, or does it penetrate all the way to the very essence of that food? As I'll explain. See, the is chametz is atayar. Whether the the prohibition of chametz is something which describes the the, the that food object. In other words, that this food is, is in a state of chametz. Other than Isser's chalalets and whether the prohibition penetrates all the way to the very essence of the food. And as the way the way the Rav explained this, that this is totally in the Machlegis from Yehuda and Rav Shimon, 
that this would depend on the machlekes between Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon. Oib chametz lachar pesach also bahanod. There's a machlekes whether chametz that has someone didn't sell this chametz, they didn't destroy it. A Jew owned chametz on Pesach. So what is the status of that chametz after Pesach? There's a machlekes whether it is prohibited to have any benefit from it after Pesach or not. The man, the Svirale officer, the one that says that it's prohibited even after Pesach, Svirale, he is of the opinion that Isachalal Etzem. He holds that the prohibition of Chomets penetrates all the way down to the very essence of that food object. And therefore, it has become prohibited. And therefore, even after Pesach, it doesn't remove itself from there. It still remains prohibited. The very essence of that food remains prohibited. But the one that says that it's per- permitted to eat it after Pesach, because he's of the opinion, because chametz is only a description of that food stuff, and the prohibition is attached to that, to the what describes chametz. And then when Pesach is over, chametz is no longer an issue. It's no longer a description. In the middle of in the middle of Sukkot, we don't talk about anything about being chametz. Chametz isn't how you describe a bread on, on Sukkot or any time other than Pesach. On Pesach, chametz is a vile substance. On Sukkot, it, the, the term chametz doesn't apply. It isn't something that applies other than on Pesach. So once Pesach is over since the prohibition is attached to its description of chametz, now it doesn't have the description of chametz anymore, so now it's not prohibited anymore. So in other words, there's a difference whether we see it as something which is external to the food, only attached to its description of chametz, or it penetrates to the very essence of that food. And there's another way in which this is expressed, the same difference is expressed. This can also explain the difference, the machlegis between Rabbi Yehuda and the Chachamim. Rabbi Yehuda says the only way that one is permitted to destroy Chametz, once the prohibition of Chametz occurs, so after noon on Erev Pesach, if you still find yourself owning Chametz, the Chachamim say the only way to destroy it is by burning it. Rabbi, uh, Rabbi Yehuda says, the only way to destroy it is by burning it. The Chachamim say, no, you don't have to burn it. You can also crumble it up, grind it up, and throw it to the wind. Throw it into the sea. So what would be the basis of that argument according to the Ragachavar? It would also be the same thing. The Chachamim halten, the Chachamim are of the opinion as the, the Isa Chametz is betayr from the Zach that the prohibition of the chametz is in a description of that object, of that food stuff. In on the is the so therefore it's enough to grind it up and throw it to the wind, throw it into the sea, then it doesn't have any more the description of chametz. It's no longer when you ha- when it's crumbs 
the the prohibition of chametz only is attached to a kezayis. When it's less than a kezayis, you grind it up. It no longer has the status of chametz, even though the the as the food still exists as tiny little, little particles, but it doesn't have the description of chametz anymore. And since the prohibition of chametz is only attached to the description of the chametz, once you've removed that kind of description that it no longer uh, uh, rates as chametz, it's longer, no longer qualified as chametz, you've you're done. You did what you had to do. You destroyed the chametz. And therefore, since it don't, no longer has the uh, the description of chametz, it no longer exists as chametz, there is no longer an issue of a prohibition to eat it or have any benefit from it because it isn't chametz anymore. You've ground it up. Even though the essence of it as a foodstuff could still remain because it's still tiny particles and it exists but not as chametz anymore as a, this, what would rate as chametz. But on the other hand, Rabbi Yehuda holds that the Isa Chometz is Chalal Etzem, that the prohibition of Chometz penetrates all the way down to its, to the very essence of it as an existence of food. That's why the only way to get rid of it is to burn it. When you burn something, it completely negates its entire existence altogether. Nishnor the Torah, not only as it presents as Chometz, and the possibility that one should be able to eat it or derive any other benefit from it. So it's it's not just that you have to destroy it from being able to be eaten or having any other benefit from it any other way, which would be accomplished by grinding it up and throwing it to the wind. But he says that it's the the pro, the problem with chametz goes down to its very molecular level. And therefore, as long as they still exist as molecules of food, you have to destroy them. That's not good enough. You haven't destroyed the chametz. You have to go and burn it. And that would be the same difference in that machlegas as well. Lefizeh Yishlema. So based on this understanding, one could say, as midem is oich fabund now that the question that we're asking is all connected to this, to, to this difference. If we are of the opinion that the prohibition of chametz goes down into the essence of that food, and therefore, selling it to the goy has to include every aspect of the chametz. The very essence of the chametz has to be sold to the goy. And therefore, when you're selling it to the Goy for Pesach, what you're selling is the very essence of the food, because that's where the chametz is penetrates all the way down to there. So you need to sell even the essence of the food. Everything has to belong to the Goy. And then, where should the holiness of the tzaddik remain if you've sold every last particle of it to the, to the Goy? On the other hand, if we if we would go with the opinion as the Isr Chametz that the prohibition of Chametz only is attached to the its outer dimension, that part of the foodstuff which is uh, presents as Chametz. 
which is not the essence of the food. It's just another aspect of the food. Just like the essence of something isn't green or blue, is not dependent on color, it doesn't depend on shape, it doesn't depend on substance, on uh, texture. All of these things are outer, are outer representations of the essence of that food. So also is its description as chametz. So, <clears throat> and if that's the case, then one could say, as by mechiras chametz, that when you're selling the uh, the chametz to the guy, in order to prevent yourself from violating owning chametz, what we're selling to him is only that outer dimension, that representation of how. The, the this food stuff happens to be chametz and therefore that has to be sold to the guy. That part of the food which is connected to its outer presentation, the way it's presented, rather than the essence. And therefore, you're not selling the essence. You're not transferring to the guy's ownership the essence of the food, only the presentation of it. The outer dimension of it, the bilus is so. Therefore, the own, the holiness of it can still remain attached to the bilus The ownership of the one transferring to the guy remains. Uh, he remains the owner of the essence of the food. That which is uh, the the part of it which is its essence still remain, it belongs to the yid he, does, he has no need to sell that to transfer ownership to the guy of the essence of it and therefore the holiness of it can still be attached there which is still owned by the yid and therefore one can buy it and sell it, sell it to a guy and buy it back and because it still retains the ketusha because you haven't really sold the essence of it only its outer dimension well, the fizan, according to this, Vibal does the halacha is Rab Shimon. Since the halacha, the final halacha is like Rab Shimon, as Chametz lachar Pesach is mutavano, that midayraisa Chametz after Pesach would still would be permitted to be used, even if a yid owned it. When the iser is nor alz knas, and that the reason that we are prohibited from eating any Chametz that a Jew owned after Pesach. Uh, that a Jew owned on Pesach, we're prohibited from eating it after Pesach, is only because the Chachamim even though the Torah would permit it, but the Chachamim put a penalty on it that in order that nobody should end up owning Chametz on Pesach. So they said, if you own it on Pesach, we're not going to allow you to eat it after Pesach. But it's only a rabbinic uh, penalty. But the Torah doesn't say that it would be prohibited. And also, and the same is true also in regards to burning Chametz, is the Chnar Haminik Lusaifer. It's only a custom that we burn it, that we specifically burn it, rather than destroying it any other way. But the final halacha is like the chachamim. That it's enough to uh, grind it up and uh, and uh, throw it to the wind. So therefore, we we're left with the bottom line as men es macht nicht ois so v'kaifen de shirayim for natzadik kugadamitzayin and yehudi. According to both of these final halachas, both the fact that you 
would be permitted to Midaraisi would be permitted to eat chametz after Pesach that was that passed through Pesach and the ownership of a yid, which means that it's only the outer dimension which is involved in chametz, as we explained before. The same is true that you can destroy you can get rid of chametz also by not necessarily by burning it, but you can also grind it up and throw it to the wind, which means that it's also also that the final halacha on this is that the chametz only attaches to the outer dimension, but the inner dimension, the essence of it, remains beyond chametz. And therefore, for both these reasons, one could say that you're allowed to sell it to a guy because the holiness of the tzaddik would, you're only selling the outer dimension. The holiness remains embedded in the, in the essence of it. And when you buy it back, the holiness is still there. And therefore you would be permitted to sell, you would be able to sell the shirayim of a tzaddik or a similar to a non-Jew. Even after Pesach, you, when you get it back, it would still retain the holiness of the tzaddik. Zion. <clears throat> but in truth, we can't say this. Because even though the reason we sell a chametz to the guy is in order not to violate, and not in order, order not to own chametz on Pesach, is the Still, the poskim, most of the poskim hold that this is a a full and valid sale. Does haste. Which means that even though you might want to retain the essence of the food, but you're selling it, which means you're selling it fully to the guy. It's a complete sale, an absolute sale. A tire, the Torah considers it to be a full, absolute sale, which means you sold them the whole thing. You can't sell only the outer dimension of it and retain the inner dimension of it. Especially according to the way the Alter Rebbe designs the sale of the Chametz, the legal contract for the sale of the Chametz, that you have to also include a somebody that takes responsibility to pay the Goy should you default on the, on the payment of, for the Chametz. So you even have a double protection for this sale, that there's somebody else beside you that's responsible for it as well, should you default, which means that it's an even a more ironclad sale. In fact, the guy has the perfect right to be able to sell it to somebody else after Pesach. Which means that what you're selling to the guy is not simply that he has the right to use it for the seven days, eight days of Pesach. Other that he owns a certain aspect of it, usage of it, rather than, as we said, that's a shtamshus. Or that he owns, let's say, intellectual rights to it, but not the actual physical aspect of it. Nothing like that is is what isn't contained in the sale. The sale is a complete and absolute sale. Now the etzim zachbalantzem, but really what it means is that you've sold them the entire chametz, not just one aspect of it, or uh, or only certain usage of it. So therefore the whole pilpul doesn't really work, because the, he really owns the whole thing. Now pizeh is moving, v'schsidim ab nishgevolt ha'kaif na'dover ma'echol, 
and therefore now it's based on this we can understand why Chassidim did not want to sell a, a food thing, a food object that they received from the Rebbe so Anenu Yudah to sell to a Goy for him does his nishnor and inyif and hebech kavod the rabbi because not only is it disrespectful to the re- to the rebbe, amazol the shirayim kiyetsu beyhab fasmad bakumaf and tzaddik that the you take the shirayim that you receive from a tzaddik ibegem and the reshus for any yodin and to hand it over to a non-Jew, put it into the ownership of a non-Jew. Vasu mekabel chayes and gibul klubis atneis and as we know that a non-Jew receives his life force from the three Klippus Atmeus rather than like a Jew which gets it from Klippus Noiga from a neutral place. Because by selling it to a guy you are you know you are proactively uprooting the ownership of Ktusha versus given of them which it had which which was attached to it. By selling it to a you are uprooting that holiness which you which the food that you cherish had. So therefore they wouldn't do something like that. Ches lefizek kemem evarzayin. So based on this we can also explain favosas is nish givende and hagetz of mafkes and yisraim bechuluf natzadik. Why instead of selling it to a goy, why not just declare it ownerless and leave it as we said in the middle of a place where nobody goes, and therefore you're pretty assured that you, when you come back, it'll still be there. The reason is, the Gedef and Hefker, <coughs> because how do we define Hefker? Declaring something to be ownerless. Sok the Ragachavar, again, the Ragachavar says, Kem and Oistaichen of Tzveyifan, can be explained in two different ways. What is the status of Hefker, of something that is ownerless? One is to the oftuf and hefker is the balabas is mistalik from them that the owner one is that when a, someone says that something is hefker the owner of something says that it's hefker so he removes himself from ownership of that but says mafker and then is so therefore it now belongs to no one it's ownerless which means nobody owns it other another way of looking at it is as durch the mafker sein that when the the owner declares it to be hefker, hefker. What happens is everyone has a stake in that object. Not that no one has a stake, but now suddenly everybody has a stake in it, and whoever comes along and takes it is exercising his option for that hefker. The people that didn't exercise their option don't own it no longer own it but then but until then everybody had an option to be able to own it so is it that nobody owns it or everybody sort of owns it has an option to own it what is the difference and the myth is the Ragachavim and based on this difference the Ragachavim explains a machloikis of Amiroim what is that when Einer when someone there were uh, reservoirs of water from which people would get their water in olden days and when somebody came along and took water a bucket of water from such a reservoir which has which nobody owns it's there for everybody and on Yom Tov, somebody took a bucket of water from there and he took it not for himself but he was taking the water because somebody else he took it for someone else 
So the question becomes, so Rav Nachman, so Nachman says, as the Tchum Ved Gerechen Keragli Mishin Ismaluloi. There becomes a question of Tchum. Since anyone, everyone is only allowed to walk uh, uh, 2,000 Amis, let's say 2,000 yards from not really 2,000 yards, but uh, 2,000 amas from uh, his, the place where he uh, where he camped on, on Shabbos Ayantif. So you're only allowed to walk up until a certain period, in, every, in any direction. But then there could be somebody else who is a thousand amas away from you, and he was kind of shvise, he acquired a camping spot, so to speak. His home is there, but that's called a, ca- a place where he camps for Shabbos. And he's allowed to walk <coughs> a thousand uh, a thousand Amis to you, and a thousand Amis past you. But you are allowed to walk two thousand Amis past you. So there is a thousand Amis past a thousand Amis from your house where he, you're allowed to walk, but he's not allowed to walk. And everything that a person owns is also in the same description. You're not allowed to take anything that I own and take it out of the area which I have acquired from my camp spot for Shabbos. So everything must remain within the tchum of where I have set up camp for Shabbos. The other person took the water, uh, drew water from a well, for me, so the question is, where can that water, is that water allowed to go only in his area of Tchum, or is it allowed to go in my area of Tchum? So there's a Machleikas. Now Nachmah says that the Tchum it goes according to the one for whom it was drawn. So says that the Alpai Mama for Makam Shvisa that the 2,000 Amis from the place where he set up camp, Ved Gerechem from them art, is calculated from the place who has gefinzer der der It's calculated from the place for for whom the water was drawn. Rav Sheshazak, Rav Sheshazak, Merachan Deskiragli Amemale, that we we calculated according to the one that actually drew the water, not for whom it was drawn, but the one that drew the water. As Merachan the Malpaimama from the Memale that we go according to the one that that filled that drew the water. When the Gemara zokt, and the Gemara explains, but my commitly, what is the basis of their dispute? Marasava bired who one says that this the uh, the uh, well, the reservoir, is a reservoir which is hefker. Marasava the other one says bired the shutfu that it's a reservoir of partners. So without. Uh, knowing the Ragachava's uh, view of it, one would say that it's, it's like they're arguing about what is the facts. Is it a fact that it was owned by nobody or that it was owned by, by certain partners? And based on the partnership that this, they were both partners and therefore he can draw it for his partner too. He owns that water to begin with, so therefore it could go according to where he was Kainashvisa, whereas according to Hefker it means that nobody owns it, so the one that filled it, that's the one that acquired ownership and it could only be a g- travel to where he's allowed to travel. However, the Ragachavar is the Ragachavar Mavai. The Ragachavar explains, as the Halton, as the Beir is Hefker. That in fact, both, they're not arguing about what are the facts of this reservoir, whether it's owned by no one or owned by, 
fight partners. Both of them agree that it's a ownerless, it's an ownerless reservoir. It's hefker. But the machloikis is Rav Nachman hold Rav Nachman holds as the get of an hefker is as Allah that he says what does hefker mean? Hefker means that everyone has a stake in that water. Everyone has an option to to that water. Also, the one for whom it was drawn, the Therefore, he is an equal partner to that water, just like the one that actually drew the water. So, therefore, he already had a stake in it, and therefore, it can travel to where he is permitted to travel. Rav Sheshes holds. Hefke meant that Hefke means that it doesn't belong to anybody. And therefore, the one that fills the water, that draws the water, can only acquire it for himself. I and Shami have to look over there. Why only for himself? Although normally we say that um, that you can acquire something for somebody else as well, if it's for his benefit, which in this case it is. But since it's uh, everyone has everyone has the rights to be able to draw water from there, and therefore, if you're taking it for him, then you're taking it away from somebody else. Now you drew it, nobody else can draw it. So whenever you, when you do something for somebody else, but it's detrimental to, somebody, to another person, it's limiting another person, you can't acquire something for somebody else when it's limiting to another person. So therefore, in this case, you can't acquire something for someone else, only if he already has a stake in it. But if he doesn't, if it's Hefker, which means nobody owns it, then you can't draw it for him. You can only draw it for yourself. And therefore, it can only travel to where you're allowed to travel, not for the person that you had a mind to, to draw it for him. Of course, you could take it as a gift for yourself. You can draw it for yourself and then give it to him as a gift. But now, in this case, you've already, once it becomes yours, it can no longer travel to where he can travel. So that's, that's the downside of having to acquire it for yourself and then give it to him. And therefore he is not able to acquire it for somebody else. And therefore we cannot consider the, two, the area that the other person is allowed to travel, the one that from who was, uh, for whom it was drawn. You can only consider the area that the one that drew the water where he's allowed to travel to and that's limited to there. In other words, the Raghav says that what they're really arguing about is what is the status of Hefker? Does it mean that nobody owns it or that everybody has a stake in it? So now in this case is like Beidus Vodas and Hefker is moving beneath the dance. So in, in either case, whichever way you look at Hefker, it would be understood why they wouldn't want to be Mafker the Rebbe's Chometz, the Rebbe's uh, food. According to the one that says that Hefke means that it belongs to everyone, everyone has a stake in it, is moving by Pashtas. It can be simply understood. Why did they not want to declare it to be Hefke? It's for the very same reason why we wouldn't want to sell it to a non Jew. 
Warum dämmelt Walter's Belang zu allen Goyen von der Welt? Because then it belongs not only to all the Jews in the world, it also belongs, every Goy has a stake in this water, in this, in this food. Und befragt, dass bepasste seine sich Eden, especially in this case, where the Jews, they want no part of that food stuff over Pesach. Because it's Chomet, so they don't want any share in it. So who does it belong to? It ends up being exclusively belonging to all the Goyim in the world, rather than all the Yidin in the world. So therefore, they remove themselves from the opportunity to be able to acquire this Hefke, because they want no part in it. It's Chomet, so therefore they don't want any part of it. And therefore, now what you've done by being mafkirit is that you've put it into the possession or the option of every single guy in the world, not even one yid in the world, because nobody wants it for Pesach. And so that is certainly disrespectful to the Rebbe, that you've given his food not just to one guy, but to every guy in the world. Und in Aprat, and in a certain sense, is this Mafkezein noch erge wie Bakfakaifen Sermane in Yehudibiz. Declaring it Hefker is even worse than selling it to a Goy. When you sell it to a Goy, you can find yourself a certain non Jew, which is which is one of the better, the good Goyim, in other words, the ones that follow the Sheva Mitzvah, they're dedicated to Hashem, and so on. Because the Rama passed, the Rama rules uh, about such a person, as Yeshlam Chayogolam Abad, that they have a share in the world to come. And befrat noch as the goy is matzel dem Eden for noivazayin of Yisochamiz bePesach, especially in this case where the goy is the one that is helping you to be to be able to avoid owning chametz on Pesach. He's the good guy that is helping you with that. So you're selling it to, you can find yourself a guy which is at least somewhat respectful to sell it to him. But when you declare it to be Hefker and that every guy in the world has access to it, now it belongs to every single Yid. Also the ones that are not the good people. So therefore this is even more disrespectful to, uh, to your Rebbe to give it to such goyim which are the low lives because you're giving it to every single person in the world so that's according to the opinion that it belongs to everyone even according to the one that says that hefker doesn't belong is not something that belongs to everyone it belongs to no one is moving even there we can understand why they wouldn't want to do it because when you take something which is so precious something which is holy something that you receive from your Rebbe and does believe Sholem Mavatl Zayn and Ibelos and does Bamakam Hefker so you should go and actively Mavatl it and to be Mavatl it with full intent that you truly mean that you, you're removing your ownership from it and Ibelos and does Bamakam Hefker to leave it in a place which is open to all is also something which is uh, disrespectful because in a way you are showing a certain sense of you you don't consider it important enough to, to keep it not to put it into a situation which is so completely compromised and open to everyone 
So therefore, either way, whichever way you look at Hefker, it's disrespectful to place it, to place your Rebbe's food into that situation. On a high timer for this reason, therefore the Tzemach Tzedek also made the effort. As on start them, as the Tzukik is on Geheren, so I in the that rather than the candies belonging, being given the soul to a guy, or design Hefker, or to become Hefker, so they sein enikoli would rather that his grandchild, the Rebbe Rashab, oif essen he should eat it. On his own verendam abasgib sorry, the better option is that he should eat it and it should become part of him, part of his flesh and blood, and that's the best solution for this situation. And that's the reason why he said eat it rather than sell it or be mafkir. From the, the way we understand it now, it becomes even more, it emphasizes even more the great effort that they took in the way they educated their children. Since these candies were so precious to the Rebbe Rashab, as to leave them that for this reason he wouldn't touch it, he wouldn't eat it, he kept it, um, he kept it. And if you look at it from a spiritual perspective, he even forewent, he foregoes the opportunity to eat the candies that belong that were given to him by Malch Machol and make them part of him. He even foregoes that in order to be able to keep it. That's how cherished they are. And there is no prohibition to be mafkirit, or even to sell it. There's no prohibition to do it. It's permitted to do it on Pesach. It would be a good solution. So you would think that it would be better that they should uh, entertain his desire on this matter. And therefore, he would you would be able to keep the the candies forever, also after Pesach. And this is something that would be, have another benefit. It would always remind him and it would always encourage him if the Ketushik on the holiness that he has in his possession. He has the candies of Malach Machol. And Knisa Lecheder would always keep in in the forefront of his mind his entry into Cheder, which is an important thing to keep in alive in the memory of a child. Although, but on the other hand, you might say that well, you know, and the truth is that Nekrak Tusha, that the holiness of the candy has already been lost because. It was sold to a goyer, put into Hefker, as we ex- discussed before. Well, the fisha is this given by and for a for a short while it was it belonged to a goy. So yeah, that is a problem. But is a given akin ben But don't forget that he is only a child of three. the fun, and he doesn't understand the whole thing that now belonged to a goy. He doesn't get that whole thing. So why not just leave him with the impression? that he gets to keep the candy of Malach Machol, and it reminds him and encourages him, and he has this holiness attached to him, even though there is a problem with it, as we explained, but he's only a child, what does he know? So from this we see their great effort that they put into education. 
not only in matters which are connected to Torah law or even rabbinic law, I feel in a hidden mitzvah or even in a hidder of a mitzvah, but even in conduct that was even adopted through chsidim, it wasn't even from the rabbeim necessarily, but a more chsidish minig, although we could say that it was the tzavach tzedek that started this. And that the point was that everything has to be according to its absolute truth. You can't have convince a child that he's holding something precious and important when in truth it's it's already belonged to a guy and therefore it's lost its uh, holiness. Can't do that. This is something that has to be done not only when it comes easily. But even when it's connected with a certain sense, at least in the according to the understanding of this child that is being educated, is a sanin for Mesiris Nefesh, which to the child, the three year old child, to him giving having to eat the candy was something which went very much against his will. He wanted to keep it. So he had to really to him it was mysterious nefesh on his level as the, the child that he is and the Tzemach Tzedek made sure that he, ha- that he had to go through with it and eat it even though it's very difficult and for what? it has to be according to absolute truth as we find also in a number of stories in regards to these stories between the Friedrich Rebbe and his father, the Rebbe Rashab, and how insistent he was in doing things in the correct way, even if it meant that the, the, the child, his son, that's the Friedrich Rebbe, also had to give up certain things. At that, uh, by this way, not only do we get a child accustomed to be able to control his natural instincts, but also that we give him the ability to change the very nature of his of his nature. Which is a much more difficult uh, accomplishment. And even though this whole thing is all discussing about the chinuch that was given by one Rebbe to another Rebbe, so they're outstanding people, and who says it applies to everyone? But on the other hand, since it was told, everybody knows the story, and it was revealed to us by the Rabbeim, is and therefore, of course, it means that it's a lesson to each and every one of us. As the as the Friedrich Rebbe actually concludes in the Sicha, he says that the lesson of all this is that this is kind the kind of education that we need. So it means it does apply to every one of us. And the ability to be able to reach this kind of chinuch and dedication, we get that from the rabbi, because the whole body follows the head, and if the head does it, so then everybody has the ability to follow. So again, that we should go in the same ways in the paths that they lead us over the rachem asherironu in the ways that they have taught us netzach selavod forever and eternally.